everybody. Welcome to the 73rd episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Summers and I am the host of this lovely show. And my lovely partner joining with me today is Floyd Johnson Jr. Floyd, how you doing, man? I am doing great. It is a great Thursday. Found out the movie theaters are opening in my city in a, about eight days. Well, actually, it's Ooh. opening next week, next Thursday, the same day. But I can't go because of you know work and stuff. So I will be going to the movie theaters in, in eight days. I got a comedy show this weekend. I'm going to see D.L. Hughley. And the weekend after that, I will be watching live wrestling. So, in a lot of ways, my world is somewhat returning back to normal. Yeah, that's great. Now, I, I always wonder this because I've seen these theaters before. Um, are The area that you're in, do you guys have uh, an Alamo Draft House? No, they, those are in Texas. I was going to say, I thought it was just based specifically I've, in Texas. I've been to an Alamo Draft House, but yeah, they're, they are not in Oklahoma. Just the fact that I heard, because I heard that you can order pizza at those movie theaters. I'm just like, oh my god, I would never leave. Yeah, we have this place called Warren, which is a dinner and a movie place. And you get a full, it's a full menu. You can order Philly cheesesteaks, pizzas, everything like that. And you, they have beer, uh, full alcoholic service. And yeah, we have those places here. Uh, it's called the Warren in Oklahoma, though. There's also there is also one thing I wanted to share on the show that I saw just yesterday that I thought was fucking cool as hell, um, and it's the fact that the in Oregon they actually turned the last remaining blockbuster into an Airbnb where you can just rent it out and then just watch a bunch of VHSs that they have at the at the blockbuster and it looks super slick super 90s and it's like the craziest thing because i i remember like as a really young kid going to a blockbuster that i had as a kid that i had near me and that i saw that and i was like if i can get to oregon after this whole thing is done i want to do that because i think it's like relatively cheap to do it too for just a night yo you know what's crazy about blockbuster i I am so old. I was around when Blockbuster first started and was pushing out the mom and pop shops. Blockbuster was like the Walmart of movie rental places. Yeah, it really was. They would come in and they would charge less than your mom and pop shops. They would have more of a selection. So like if a good movie came out, they'd have like 30 of that good movie. And, you know, the mom and pop shop would only have three. And they would effectively just put them out of business and then buy their inventory for a really cheap. And so when I was very, very young, it was this place called Magic Movies. That's where I went. And then Blockbuster put them out of business. And then I had to go to Blockbuster. I think that was around seven or eight years old. And it was like, well, Blockbuster's going to be it forever. And then it's like, oh... You know, then Blockbuster came became outdated by Netflix, and it's just like it's funny. I've seen these companies swallowing up each other. Yeah, it's just the whole thing. Everything that's been changing over time is crazy. <clears throat> but that's the two things I want to do if I can travel again: is go to a really nice dinner and a movie, like where they serve you dinner at a movie theater. I want to go to one of those, and then I want to go to that Airbnb Blockbuster because it looks really slick. 
Yes, the first thing I had to learn how to do when I went to the uh, Warren uh, was uh, to not eat too much. <laughs> first time I went, I went to see a movie and I fell asleep. That uh-huh, I can I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, I got really full. The movie started. Uh, it was like started off kind of slow. You know, it took a minute to get into. Gone, gone. Wake up for the last fifteen minutes of the movie, and I was like, like so. The first time I went to it, I was like, I don't think I can do this, you know, because <laughs> I fell asleep doing the first movie. And then, you know, of course, a uh, person I was with at the time says, "How about you try eating less?" Oh, that's a that is an option, isn't it? So. <laughs> yeah, I, I see what you mean there. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like you go to a steakhouse. You get enough to get full. It's just like when you go to those places, you order a little less than you need to to get full. Just enough to just like fill you up a bit, but not enough to just knock you out into a food coma. Exactly. But anyways, we want to thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode of All Things Elite. We have a lot to talk about this week, including the Dynamite Deadly Draw continuing. We have a lot more to get into about this week's Dynamite. But real quick, I want to make sure that you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Or if you're on Spotify, be sure to share the podcast with your friends. Leave a rating and a review. If you're also so inclined to, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. And if you want to support us by following us on social media, you can follow the podcast at AT Elite Pod. Follow Social Suplex at Social Suplex. Myself at Estezoomer4. And Floyd at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. The big news of the week for this week is the Dynamite schedule changes that will be taking into effect next week. So next week's episode of Dynamite will not be on Wednesday. It will be on Saturday at 6 p.m. So it's going to be a bit of a change. Obviously, NBA playoffs are kicking in. I want to shout out the Phoenix Suns for going 8-0 in the bubble. Holy shit, Devin Booker is carrying that team on his back. Insanity, and also Damian Lillard, my boy, hit his career high of 61 points. Yes. Yes. Shout out to the Lakers that didn't have to play very hard at all and clinched the first division and then didn't care about the rest of the time. No, yeah, just lost to the Sacramento Kings, too. Didn't really care. They did not care at all. Uh, LeBron has this thing called playoff mode, and it is very, very obvious when he's in playoff mode. It's also the first time that the number one and two seeds are held by the same te- same city. Is first time that's happened, so that's crazy. Also, first time since '97 that the Spurs were knocked out of the playoffs. This this whole series of playoffs is going to be insane. So, I mean, as a sports guy, I'm very hyped for that. Yeah, and it starts Monday, right? Yeah, yeah, it gets. We're getting right into it. And also, you got hockey playoffs going on too. Yeah, that was and, bull crap. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, the the Penguins got eliminated, and I was very upset because it went straight into the playoffs. You didn't have time to get ready. I mean, they were not prepared, dude. They lost to the Montreal Canadiens. If you lose to a team who got swept by the current Red Wings, you deserve to lose, honestly. So that's that's my thought on that, but. The big news, obviously, with that, just be prepared for the changes that we're having in August. We have a couple more also coming down the line. I want to say, like, they're going to have another one that's going to be, oh, God, I can't remember the exact time dates. I know we mentioned them last week earlier on the show. And there's just, this. these next couple weeks are going to have the most changes with the schedule. But the biggest yeah. one is the next show, which will be on Saturday 
at 6 p.m. Yeah, and because of that, the show will adjust. We will try to record like right after the show and get the show out as quickly as possible because we like to uh, record after Dynamite. That's the big thing with me is that I like to, you know, review the Dynamite. Yeah. And then, of course, the other big news is the Dynamite Deadly Draw continued on. We had two matchups to look over today. We had the first matchup, which was Big Swole and Lil Swole taking on Leva Bates and Rache Chanel. Yes. And, For people and... in this world not uh, not sure who Lil Swole is or whatever. She is Nicole Savoy. She was in uh, the Battle Royal at All Out. Uh, I was going to say, year. I thought I saw her. Yeah, she was in the Battle Royal All Out. But some people might not, you know, that was a while back before they got on TV, so people might not remember. She, uh, But her name's Nicole Savoy. She's tagged with Swole on the Indies in Shimmer uh, f- uh, for a while. Uh, and she has always went by Little Swole. That just wasn't for this tournament. Mm-hmm. The one thing I want to say about this match, because the honest thing that I've been... I wanted to talk about because when I saw that she was in the tournament and that she was actually getting some in-ring action and then she also got eliminated, I wanted to talk. Are we just going to not have Leva Bates be an in-ring talent? Because it seems like AEW just isn't really keen on having her in-ring. She's continued to be one of the librarians uh, along with Peter Avalon. And it just seems like they kind of want to keep her out of the ring. And that's, I don't know. I'm not I mean, sure how I feel I don't know it. if you watched that match. I mean, I mean, I am all about positivity. I think Leva Bates brings something to the roster. I think her having her with Peter Avalon as a librarian, it's perfect. She's a cosplay person. She enjoys that. I think she brings something to the locker room with positivity and joy. But I have never seen a match of hers that I've liked. I like her in small doses. Like when she was Blue Pants in NXT, I liked her a lot. But I think she's really good in smaller doses and like... I do think it's in, it's interesting because I like Leva, but at the same time, it's like I don't know how much you can do with her. But I, at the same time, I I want to see her in the ring at least a little bit. But that's just personal. But yeah, this this match was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's just there has to, you have to set a standard for what your women's division is going to be mm-hmm. as far as the in ring standard. I don't think she meets their goal in ring standard mm-hmm. so yeah and i get that i get that too but it's it's interesting though just because like yeah uh i i mean i like i just I, I don't really i really don't know what much to say with this matchup it's just it was just kind of a meh like match honestly they the, the mat this match was there to establish uh big swole and little swole as a tag team that was it Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just... I mean, it was Rache Chanel who has lost every match in that she's been in on uh, in AEW, and it was Leva Bates who has lost every match she has been in in AEW. So it wasn't really set up to be success, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think if you look at what when we get to that part where we talk about with the matches next week, it it sets up to be two. Really, you have more experienced tag teams on each side. Yeah, I agree. The next match we had was Diamante in Ivelisse versus Dasha and Rachel Ellering. And I I think, 
honestly, I do enjoy the tag team of Diamante and Ivalice a, a lot more than I thought I would, honestly. I just really thought they paired pretty well together. Overall, though, Floyd, what do you think of this matchup? Uh, it was a little better than the first match. I yeah. Just, I just like, it. like I said, it's like I'm looking forward to next week but yeah if 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 you're if you're a person that is all for AEW not putting a lot of women's wrestling on TV you would probably point to this as your excuse as to not do it because neither one of these matches like Jonathan Snowden is somebody I follow he writes for Bleacher Report and he writes on wrestling a lot and he said neither one of these matches were TV quality and no one wants to hear it and it's horrible and blah 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 no one wants to hear it, but it, they really weren't TV quality. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? They were YouTube quality, and that was perfect because that's where they were at, and people are tuning in to, uh, tuning in to watch. Like I said, there's one way to support the, the women's division. Tony Khan is a numbers guy. Affect the numbers. Make When women are on TV, make sure your TV's on. Tune in to YouTube. When, you, when they have matches on Dark, watch it on Dark. It's just that it's so weird that people are like, well, just put just put them on Dynamite. And it's just like, you're in a competition. It's in a ratings battle. You can't just put stuff on. You have to put on what people want to watch. And with ratings fluctuating the way they are, uh, which we will talk about later, it's you have to put on what people want to watch. Yeah, exactly. And it's just... It- for what it is on YouTube, it works all right, and like, it it just shows that these were round one quality matches that were put on YouTube. And I think the lo- the closer we get to the 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 next matches that we have for the Dynamite Deadly Draw, I think we're gonna see a lot more improvement, and we're gonna see some uh, bigger moments. I think out of this overall. Yeah, and the finals is actually gonna be on TV, so we'll. It is, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that later too. Yep. So, let's get into the results for AEW Dynamite for August 12th. We opened up, first off, it is Tag Team Appreciation Night, hosted by FTR. So, the opening contest was a tag team match. We had the Young Bucks versus the Dark Order. I will say, I loved how the Dark Order actually ambushed the Bucks during their entrance. I don't think we've seen that since, which is interesting, because their entrance is so, like, massive that I I don't think i've seen at least on dynamite them attacked after the uh the money cannon shoot off but it's the young bucks they had a really strong matchup i do enjoy evil uno and Stu grayson as a tag team i think they're like just really strong and put on some really good moment um uh, really good um matches together they they're very familiar with each other obviously with uh, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson being Super Smash Bros on the Indies, and the Young Bucks are very familiar with them. This is again a really strong uh, tag team matchup. I think, in terms of the precedent that we've set for AEW's opening matchups, opening with the Young Bucks is a strong start, honestly, and I think they did a good job of kicking off the show. So, what do you think, Floyd? I completely agree with everything you said. Uh, this is an indie legend match, basically, because these are the matches a few years ago when I didn't know who the Young Bucks were, and I was kind of keeping up with ROH. Everybody was talking about, oh, did you see uh, Young Bucks versus uh, Super Bash- Smash, Smash Brothers. Brothers? Super Smash Brothers, and I'd be like, well, no, because I watch you know, TV that's on TV. 
that was that was you know a little snobbish Floyd, and uh, so I wouldn't I didn't go out to look forward to it, but I'd heard how great these matches were, and this was good. It was trying to tell a story. It was trying to further a storyline. So, you know, you had that whole the attack at the beginning of the match. And, of course, Dynamite started off hot because of that. And I thought the match was really good. And you could tell they have a chemistry uh, that, you know, other two teams that work together just don't have. Oh, yeah, 100%. You can tell that these guys know what their strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and they, I think that the, they bring the best out of each other, honestly, especially the young bucks towards Uno and Grayson, because when they first showed up, a lot of people didn't really know what to expect, but I think the young bucks, when they face off against them, they show how good they can be. So we then had MJF continuing his campaign train trail, sorry, campaign trail to talk about MJF 2020 and how John Moxley is not his champion and not our champion. With his incredible hashtags. We had the lovely, lovely callback to when MJF was uh, a ca- cameoed on NXT and got shoved by Samoa Joe, where he shoved one of his campaign uh, partners and just shoved him against the wall. Love that callback. I it's It rewards a lot of people that like love these little minute cameo things. It, I loved it so much. And MJF, again, just cuts a clinic of a promo and it's just it shows how good he is and wants uh everyone to know that dictator john does not care about the audience because if he was he'd be here and decides to make him comfortable to show up by just lying on the mat putting his shoulders to the ground because he's not a leader and just calls him a rabid dog chasing cars and wouldn't know what to do if he caught one and just Cut a really strong promo and an interesting shot too, where they just overview ca- overhead camera on top onto MJF as he's lying down on the mat cutting this promo. Super creative. Moxley's music then hits, and then MJF immediately commands every single one of his campaign team members to go up the ramp and just run up to the stands and try to find where Moxley's coming from because he always comes from the crowd. And Moxley instead comes down down the the entrance ramp and then jumps. My, uh, MJF and nails him with a stiff clothesline to the back of the head and hits him with a paradigm shift and then cuts a great promo backstage where we see Tony Khan just like just kind of staring at MJF like I mean at uh, John Moxley like oh that's my boy that's my beautiful boy while wearing an inner circle shirt too I will point out so Floyd this segment what'd you think uh, I thought this segment was great uh, I could see uh, going forward, I, I, I thought the segment was perfect. I thought it was exactly what it needed to be. I want to get into that first. What it needed to be as far as MJF moving forward, going into, uh, going to chase for the title. It was just like you needed this segment. It was like it presented MJF as a big star. You, you know what he is. He talks well. And, you know, this was built towards his strengths. Um, only thing is I could see in the ratings if people care about the ratings and i don't try to talk about it too much but i could see it taking a dip because i felt like this really slowed the show down and it was like it had kind of just gotten started you had just had the hot first match with the surprise ending and then you get this long talking segment it did end in action but there was this long talking segment and then for people like me and you that appreciate great promos it's great but people that want action 
this might have been a time where they were turning to see what was on the other channels, maybe get caught up in Shark Week or whatever. But I thought this was a really, really strong performance by MJF and even stronger performance by John Moxley. John Moxley is a badass. That's his character. That's his gimmick. I mean, he adds a few little layers like caring about Darby and, you know, saying he needs to be out there. If you don't, you know, go out there and help people, you're a punk ass. That is all uniquely Moxley. But, you know, he's a badass. And he came in. He's like, you know what? You you think I'm going to try to sneak attack you. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to be one step ahead of you. I'm just going to come right down the middle and beat you up. I, f I feel sorry about for what Lee Johnson and Warlow are going to have to go through after them allowing Moxley to beat up uh, MJF, their meal ticket. But uh, it was a, to me, it was a fun segment. But it's just like if I'm trying to be a little critical, I would say I could see some channels changing at this point. Yeah, I guess so, but honestly, like, when MJF shows up, I do get interested because he always seems to have a way of just grabbing your attention just because of how, like, charismatic he is and how just easily hateable he is. But I can understand how after you come off a quick match like that, you would then come in with a promo segment. I can understand how that would feel like it slowed the, mat the show down. And then we then had another interview, actually, with Matt Hardy with Alex Marvez backstage. He wasn't cleared to wrestle for another 10 days because of the cut he got from the chair. So he said Sammy uh, was walking in the distance he, because he believed he saw him. And um, what happened was he, saw, he swore he saw Sammy walking uh, off screen. He then goes after him with a pure, like, blind rage. But it was... Uh, an AEW ref and not Sammy. I like how even though Matt Hardy is straight away from the multiverse of Matt Hardy and how they're straying away a little bit from the delete persona, that there's still a little bit of it there. Because I do think having a small bit of that is a good thing because it just adds a little bit more variety to his character. And not going full, like, switching personas, I think, is is a good thing. But having it be, like, a slight, like, a slight, like, Jekyll and Hyde sort of thing, I think, is a good thing. We then got it. Oh, go ahead. Did you want to say something? Oh, Can you hear me? You there? Oh, okay, yeah, I am. Okay. Here. Thought that was a perfect way to say it uh, on your part. Um, like I said, MJF, I don't really, like I said, I, MJF's one of my favorite promos. Uh, the only person I've enjoyed more was Cody's early, you know, when he was cutting those epic promos. Those were great, but he hasn't done one of those in a while. And uh, uh, But yeah, MJF's probably my favorite promo in the company other than Taz. So I don't have a problem with it. As a wrestling fan that has been watching wrestling forever, of course, I'm cool with this segment. But I was just, I tried to put myself in like a casual fan and what they're used to from AEW. In those first few segments, and this was the first time where it went match, and then one of these long segments, it usually goes match, and then you go right into another match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, we have the TNT Championship match between Cody and Scorpio Sky of SCU. First off, Mike Kyoto! He signed! Hell yes! I'm all for that. I think that's amazing. And we also... Now finally have the finished AEW, the finished TNT championship 
all done. It's finished. There is no more uh, need to just jump around the fact that it's not finished anymore. It is now finished. Overall, real quick, Floyd, thoughts about Mike Kyoto getting signed and thoughts about the the final look of the TNT Championship? Okay, final, uh, Mike Kyoto, awesome. I mean, he's been doing this forever. Uh, a lot of people, uh, if you listen to Dave, speculated that his contract was just really, really big. Because if you think about it, working somewhere for 30 years, then they give you 5% every year. You know what I mean? Eventually, yeah. you kind of you kind of get out of what the top limit that there are for that person. So it looks like he wasn't really fired for performance. It was like he was like, okay, let's just mutually set ways because of the money, which is fine. So he's still a great performer. He gets he's been on TV. Uh, he's been in major matches throughout his career. Of course, I mean th- that's a quality hire right there. And you saw as soon as he gets there, like one of his first matches is Cody, you know, it's like, and then he's in the main event with Jericho. So there's a trust there that's not going to be with any other ref coming in like that. Now on the TNT championship side of things, how do you think the belt? Uh, I, I, I am ready for them to release it as a replica so I can buy it. <laughs> All right. I mean, That's it a- is dope with the red strap and the gold. Those are my two favorite colors, red and gold. So it's like literally the belt of my dreams. So I will uh, say, actually, this is a personal thing. I actually think with the the red strap, the silver looks better over the red strap. And I think with the gold plating, I think a different colored strap would actually make the gold pop more. But that's just me. Let me tell you, a black strap I think would work uh, would work well. But I do like the whole red strap there. And it does make it look like it's on the same level as the AEW world title. Because it looks just as good. Alright, nice. So. Now, this matchup, oh, uh, whew, I will say, as somebody who is very excited for Scorpio Sky to get this opportunity, very excited. I thought this was one of uh, the biggest matchups in the history of Cody's Open Challenge he's been having with the TNT Championship. I found this match to be quite disappointing, honestly. It felt, and me and Floyd talked about this before, and he hit it right on the head, it felt like another Cody Championship match. And it didn't really seem like Scorpio got a ton to shine with. And it fi- I find it very odd considering that Scorpio's run that they've been pushing, his singles run they've been pushing on Dark and having him have big singles opportunities against guys like Chris Jericho. I think his match against Jericho was much stronger than this one. And I thought the fact that having the entire Nightmare family on Cody's side and then Scorpio just being by himself didn't sit right with me. I thought if possible, they should have had CD and Frankie come down with him and support him. If they're going to have the American nightmare family there, if not, then it should have just been Cody and Arn versus Scorpio. But at the same time, we then had the finish of the match. And then afterwards, Brody Lee cutting a promo, challenging Cody, having the old design of the TNT championship in tow, which I thought was a nice touch. But Scorpio just walks all out of the ring afterwards, and we don't really get like a a good like spot of them like showing respect more so. I've it's just it it didn't sit well with me, and I thought it was very disappointing considering that we know Scorpio can be so strong and 
I felt like he should have had such a better performance. And I think Floyd will echo my statements as well for this matchup. Yeah, I didn't want to because of how much I love Cody and how much I was looking forward to this match. And I do blame myself a much. I had this match. The, if, as, if you watched Dark and you watched Scorpio's winning streak, then you saw him put the chair in the middle of the ring and state that, you know, He's not just a dark guy. He he's moving up. He's he's going to challenge it. He's gonna kick the door down, right? That's that promo. Then Cody's going to the back of the ring and he stares him down. I'm like, and I even said it's like some Rocky Apollo stuff. They stare him down, stares at the belt, stares at him. You didn't even have to say the words. It was just like that was all that was needed, right? Then you get the entrances. The entrances. No admittance and freaking Scorpio kicking the door down. Oh, God. Gave me, kind of gave me goosebumps, right? Uh, and then, uh, we got, uh, and then we got Cody coming out with his whole crew, and it looks like a pay per view. Hold on just a second. Oh, okay. No, no worries. Oh, no, no, don't worry about it. Yeah, and so it looks like a pay per view. It looks just like he did at the last pay per view I saw him at Revolution, where he came out with the whole Nightmare family. Even Allie's out there. Allie, QT, Dustin, you know, got the the Nightmare Nightmare family flag in a black, and it's just like I'm ready for war, right? It's like, man, Cody's a little nervous. And then you got to the match, and it was just a match, and it was just. It's like I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not shitting on the match because it was a perfectly executed, well executed match. That, but first of all, I didn't understand the story of the match. Cody has busted ribs to me. If Scorpio's on that next level, he should be able to beat Cody with busted ribs. Mm-hmm. Cody had busted ribs and just beat him. I was like, if if I was anyone else. And I was like, if this was like real sports, and it's like, okay, we finally gave you your shot on a big stage and you just lost, I send you back to dark. That's what mm-hmm. I do. It's just it's just like you couldn't hurt an injured champion. And you say you are on dynamite level. You want to be one of the best in the world. And it just felt like, and like I watched the match the first time, and I was like, uh, I watched the match the first time and I wasn't feeling it. Yeah. And then, uh, I watched the match the first time and I was uh, I wasn't feeling it. And then I watched it the second time about forty five minutes before we did this, and I because I really wanted to give it another shot and I was just like it was better than I thought it was last night and I think last night had more of disappointment of expectations that I had built up on my own. But I felt like everything done with the match helped build up those expectations mm-hmm. as far as the entrance and then, the, you know, the uh, pre-match promo. I felt like they had built the match and then it didn't deliver on the build. And Cody was, won, yeah. which I'm always happy Cody won. But my thing is Scorpio needed to have him in trouble. I it had I mean maybe like his ribs are hurt. Maybe have him in a Boston Crab or something where it looks like Cody might tap out or hit his finisher and Cody kicks out. But nothing in the match gave me any type of excitement that Cody might lose. Yeah, it's it's it, I like I said I feel mostly the same way. And I think just with 
that I love the point that you made that like they built this up like a huge match because you have Scorpio's great promo and you have the Nightmare Family coming out and you have the video package they showed before the matchup. It's just you built it up like it was a pay-per-view style matchup, but what we got was just a solid Cody title defense on Dynamite. If they had just, let's say last week, Cody had his match, left, and they just announced somewhere in the week, oh, Scorpio's going to be the open challenge. And then they just did the match without all the interests and stuff. I would have been like, man, that was a really good match. And that was it. I wouldn't have said anything. It was just all the build that they did to build up my anticipation for this match. And then nothing. And it's one of those things. I will always... And this might be the AEW fanboy in me. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Because it could be leading to something else with Scorpio. But as of right now, it was just like, it came off like a wet fart. Yeah. But anyways, let's move on to the next matchup. It is the AEW Tag Team Champions Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. Versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus of Jurassic Express with the titles on the line. I loved, first off. Luchasaurus saying hi to his mom and saying it's amazing after 70, like 65 million years of dinosaurs getting a title shot. I think that was great. I mean, I, I also love before this match, as tag teams were saying their favorite tag teams of all time uh, for Tag Team Appreciation Night, Hangman uh, and, and Kenny were asked, and Kenny was like, oh, it's the Young Bucks. And then Hangman's just like, oh, I thought you were going to say us. And he's like, well, I mean, we're two singles guys, but Young Bucks, like, I thought that was great. And just continuing just the the fact that these guys are just still not 100% on the same page. And I love both these teams so much. And I think they did a hell of a job. I loved the just how hard um, Luchasaurus was just beating down on Kenny at one point. I think the commentators even said they thought Kenny's nose might have actually broken. And this match was really... I think... This was one of, uh, in terms of matches, I thought was up there for one of my favorites of the night. And the tag team champions in Kenny and Hangman retained. And their Buckshot Larry V-Trigger combo. It was a very, very good match, I felt like. And I think it did a really good job of showcasing Jurassic Express getting a title shot. So, Floyd, your thoughts? Yes, it would have been too on the nose to do what I thought, but it would have been funny if Hangman and he asked who his favorite tag team was, and he said FTR. I thought that would have <laughs> oh, been. Yeah. I thought that would have been funny, but it was probably I like in second thought it was probably too on the nose. You know, of course, Hangman is this drunk that just likes to beat people's ass, so of course he's gonna think that his tag team is the best because he's on it. So I sure. thought that yeah, I thought that worked out, and of course, Kenny being Kenny and humble. And he picked Young Bucks, and then he takes a shot at the internet. And honestly, I felt personally attacked. He says, we're just two singles guys. How many times have I made that point over the last few weeks? Seriously. (laughs) So it was like, Kenny personally attacked me. Uh, So he he basically said my name. No, no, it was was kind of funny. Uh, I thought that was uh, appealing. But then the match. Uh, Match was good. It, It served its purpose. Uh, Jungle Boy, uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus have not been really pressed as a dominant tag team that wins a lot. So the fact that they never really were in the match to the point of where you thought they were going to win actually worked with this story. Because, again, using the two matches, title matches together, one, highly built up, and then, dud. 
You know, the guy just wins. The other one, not built up at all, and then the champion just wins. And one I didn't have a problem with because they didn't put a bunch of pomp and circumstance behind Jurassic Express getting the, uh, this title shot. It was just kind of announced. They were there to take the L. And it's just, it's just the same thing pretty much presented two different ways. Yeah, honestly. We then had another backstage segment, this time with Santana and Ortiz. Obviously not going to apologize for what they did to uh, Trent's mom's van. Not going to apologize. So they just take their luggage and gear and throw it in the showers and then just destroy it and just pour bleach on it. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they really... pour bleach on the damn things. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just continuing to be absolutely despicable human beings. And I like they're doing very well getting this heat on best friends. And then the big segment of the night, Young Bucks and FTR in the ring with Rock and Roll Express, Arn Anderson, and Tully Blanchard for their big tag team appreciation night segment. And this segment is pretty damn good, honestly. Yeah, so I've seen some people that didn't like this segment. I don't blame me. Uh, uh, someone pointed out the fact that, you know, these people were, like, famous back in the 80s. And, you know... And similarly, if you were in the 90s and they brought somebody that was famous back from the 70s, you know, nobody would know who they are. But I pointed out that there's this thing called the Internet and YouTube. So a lot of people are more familiar with Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard than, you know, people in the 90s were familiar with people in the 60s or 70s. So I but then. I was pointed out, and this is where I lost. He's like, how many people in the AEW fan base do you think are and can say five things they know about Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard? I was like, that's a tough question. So, let me ask you, as a person that is significantly younger than me, how familiar are you with what Arn and Tully did in their career? Honestly, like I said, I want to be more familiar with it, but I'm not too familiar as a younger guy. So yeah. I can't say I know too much about that era of wrestling. Like, I'm 39, and it's almost before my time. Like, the horsemen were like, I was like three or four when they got together. And it was like, that was wrestling to me, and that's what I grew up on. But, you know... You think about it, three or four. I'm born three or four years later. It's it's before my time, and I can tell you everything about Arn's career. I can tell you everything about Tully's career because those were two of my favorite wrestlers uh, growing up. So it was a great point that you know most people aren't familiar with. But that's the whole thing about AEW. You got someone like Tony Khan that is familiar with it, and if we got to tell you who these people are, we will. And if we got to point you to YouTube links and uh, FTR does put up gifts at times. It's like, if we have to educate you, we will but you should know who these people are. And I love that about it. And I love that about this. I didn't really understand, like, so if, I'm, I'm trying to get the timeline right. So first, uh, FTR puts over the Rock and Roll Express. Then the Rock and Roll Express is like thanking them and blah, blah, blah. And then said to their face that the Young Bucks were the best tag team in the world. Then Tully, Arn talked, right? And then Tully went off on everybody. And he's like, how are you, either of you saying that you're the best tag team in the world when neither one of you got the titles? Which, 
Jim Ross has pointed that out so many times, and it was like, but Tully said it a little better. Then, I don't know how the whole bumping happened. I don't, I don't know if you can hear that knocking. They're doing construction on my apartment, and it's very loud, so I do apologize if you could hear it. Um, but, um, you know, and then there's the altercation, and somehow Dax gets on the ground, and I was like, huh, and he's messing around with his knee brace. It turns out he wasn't hurt, and they dropped Ricky Morton on his head with a spike pile driver, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the course of it? So I'm guessing this was FTR's heel turn? But I don't even uh, think... I don't think it was a heel turn. Literally, I, the Rock and Roll Express, they booked the Rock and Roll Express to appreciate them, and then the Rock and Roll Express tell them to their face that they're not the best tag team in the world. I think they deserve to get dropped on their head. Honestly, uh, I will say... Um, I don't think it was necessarily a heel turn. I do like the fact that when Heyman came out, he was like, bro, what the fuck? And just like was so confused by what they were doing. I honestly think, and this is what I got from him, this is uh, how FTR is trying to push the Young Bucks to face them. Okay, I could see that. It's just, it's just very, for me, it was just like, if if I invited you to my birthday party, and I'm saying, hey, give you the mic. Say, say a few words. And then you put over how awesome my best friend is. I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> my best friend had the best birthday of all time. Yeah, I'm probably going to drop you on your head, too. I don't know. I felt like FDR was justified. <laughs> and... Taylor, Taylor Swift should have smacked Kanye right in the face for that moment. Yes, but I felt like FDR was justified in how they were insulted by the Rock and Roll Express. But it was it was awesome, and it was funny because Arn and Tully, a lot of people think of them as Dash and Cat, Cat, uh, Dax and Cash. Again... Just for all you know, Dax is the bald one. Cash is the one with hair. And then, you know, Ricky and Robert were are what the, you know, Young Bucks evolved to be. You know, there was Ricky and Robert. And then there was a lot of other offshoots of Ricky and Robert, including the Rockers. And then there was Matt and Jeff, who would you would honestly say was the kind of evolution of them. And then, then it was Matt and Nick. There was the next evolution. So you're looking at these tag teams and it was just like looking in the mirror for how good each team was, which was, you know, for me, very awesome. It took me back to my childhood. That's why I love these two teams are a large part of why I love tag team wrestling as much as I do. So this moment for a 39 year old guy. So I'm out to 18 to 34, but I'm still in the 18 to 40 something demo. I'm still in the main demo. The big yes. demo. So, for this guy on the edge of the main demo, 18 to 49 or whatever, uh, I loved it. And it, it was, like, like just emotional for me. But, yeah, I could see somebody your age, like, okay, I'm supposed to respect these guys. Okay. You know what I mean? It's just, I could yeah. see the difference in how you took it in. Yeah, I still really enjoyed the segment, despite me not being too familiar with these guys' career, like in the long run. And overall, just seeing uh, the just the the big moment there for uh, just for uh, him in general was really great. And I thought it was super, like the FTR turn was so good and so much fun to watch. But anyways, we then had Hikaru Shida, the AEW Women's Champion, taking on Heather Monroe. And just a kind of quick up, quick matchup. It wasn't anything too 
uh, out of nowhere or anything. It was just kind of it was just kind of there. And overall, it's just showing how the women's division like they're trying to just build to a big moment for who Hikaru Shida is going to face. And it's just, yeah, I mean, it was just a filler match, honestly. Not really much we can really go into that. I mean, it was a match to show how dominant Cheetah was, and it ended up working out. Yeah. And then we had real quick a Jake the Snake Roberts segment telling the audience what instilling fear means. Wow, the Murderhawk monster Lance Archer was just destroying people in the background, which I thought was hysterical. It was so, so good. Yes, he was he, he was just like he's a he seems like he's a pit bull off his leash at this point. Yes. Honestly, he does. And then it was the $7,000 obligation match between Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy. Inner Circle and Best Friends were banned from ringside with Mike Chioda as the referee. And Jericho also before this match made sure to, he wanted to talk to Mike Chioda and be like, "Make sure you do the right thing." And this match was my this match was really really strong. These guys did a really good job. The finish I thought was kind of awkward, but I mean it still worked for what it was. But overall, I thought this match was really strong. The fact that Mike Chioda stopped uh, Jericho from using the bat, and he was just telling him to look the other way. Um, I thought that was really strong heel work, and overall. Orange Cassidy gets the roll-up, pins Jericho. I thought the match could have been a little bit stronger, maybe, but for for what it was as a as a follow-up to last the last matchup, I think it did a good job following up. Orange Cassidy finally pins Jericho and ties up the series, it seems like, and I think uh, we might be getting a rubber match between these two. Another one uh, after uh, another one where I have to say my expectations probably hurt my enjoyment of this match. Okay. Because I thought it was going to be better, and I thought it told a decent story, but in the end, it was supposed to be that orange like package that he, a juice box that he does, or whatever he yeah. calls it, and Jericho didn't know how to take it, so it just looked like a really ugly pin. It didn't look great, honestly. Yeah, so... Uh, no, I, as far as furthering the storyline, I think we're going to get OC versus Jericho, the rubber match, at All Out. I think that'll be the big match. Uh, maybe it ends up being for a number one contender spot or whatever they decide to do with it. But I think we'll get the rubber match at All Out. And I think that's going to be very important moving forward. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, I thought it was done. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, overall, if you're looking at Dynamite as overall, I would honestly give it a B, not an A. Yeah, I was going to say overall the show was fine and there was like it was strong, it was a good show, but I don't think it was anything outrageously good. Yeah. Just personally. Like if someone missed this episode of Dynamite and they'd be like what I miss, I'd say not much. Yeah, not really. Yeah, it's like it moved the storylines going forward. We're heading to all out. And I think it did everything that it was supposed to do there. But if you looked at that marquee with all the matches, it damn near looked like a pay-per-view. It did. And it, and it just didn't deliver like that. And, I, you know, and like I said, I blame myself. I have no problem blaming myself for the expectations because I still think this was a perfectly fine episode of 
uh, Dynamite. It's just, I think I had built it up as this was going to be this epic night that I've been talking about from years from now. And it's just like, it was another night. And the whole idea of it being Tag Team Appreciation Night. I don't feel like tag teams were appreciated through the whole show. Felt like it was like a two-segment thing. Yeah. Because you, you, you got to bring up the Steiner brothers. You got to bring up Harlem Heat. You got to bring up... Uh, you got to bring up Demolition. You you know, you got to bring up the tag teams, the Briscoe brothers. You know, you just got to, like, give them shout-outs. And I just don't felt like... I don't feel like they were appreciated the way I wanted them to be appreciated. Yeah, and that's just a personal gripe, I think. But I do oh, yeah, agree. Absolutely, absolutely. That is completely based on my personal love of tag team wrestling. I know no one else probably feels that way. <laughs> I will, yeah, and I will say, yeah... Looking at the card, we thought, we definitely both of us thought that this show was going to feel a lot bigger than it was. It wasn't. It was still solid, and it wasn't a bad episode of Dynamite by any standards. But from what we wanted it to be, I think we were just slightly disappointed. But Yeah, so solid episode, solid episode of the show. Like I said, you saw every storyline move forward. We didn't talk about, right after the Scorpio match, uh, Brody Lee comes up on... I, I mentioned it slightly, but I didn't mention his full promo. Yeah, Brody Lee comes up on the screen, and he has the old TNT belt, and he says, you're about to put some respect on the Dark Order's name, and he cuts a solid promo. I hate that Scorpio was still kind of in the ring when that happened. And I was going to say, he Scorpio out after Scorpio, that yeah, promo was done. Yeah, and Scorpio didn't fully get his moment of Cody saying how good he is, you know, that look in the eye or whatever, but... It was a pretty. It was a killer promo. It was like, uh, it was just on that whole another level of. It was like when people tell you how good Brody Lee was before he got to the WWE. A lot of people, him and Ha, and they're like, man, I don't know. He's just he was just a Wyatt guy. He is really starting to show you how much his talent and ability was kind of you know. Not to, not used, because he is yeah. really good. Yeah, he's my favorite part of the Dark Order, and honestly, I hear a lot of people talking about how they don't feel the Dark Order, they don't think it's that good, and I can understand that mindset. I will say, though, that despite everything, I think Brody Lee is great. But that's AEW Dynamite for this week, and we're going to go ahead and give you our preview of this, next week's Dynamite, which will be taking place on Saturday. It will be a Saturday Night Dynamite. But before we do that, I want to let you know that support for All Things Elite is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And if you use the code SUPLEX, you get 20% off your order and free shipping. Floyd obviously has had many great experiences that he's shared over the podcast, whether it be from multiple of their products, and I'm sure he can tell you himself their products are very, very good. Yes, their products are amazing. Uh, you definitely need to be going to manscaped.com. Uh, they are they uh, now got the, the hair and body wash that they're offering cologne is a part of the package. I mean, and, and then, like I said, it's like those things that like a that give you that sense of purpose. If you're a person that not in a relationship yet and you're thinking about you got that person that you want to talk to, you know, you don't want to go up to them like 
not smelling well and not feeling confident. So, you know, get you some manscaping. Like I said, get your game up. You step your uh, grooming game up. You know, it's like everybody's on like probably, you know, most people are, you know, you're on that level three, four, you know, you know, but you're trying to get that five star level. The way to get to that five star level to use the term wrestling fans or would uh, like you got to go to manscaped.com, put in the suplex and get 20% off and free shipping. Yep, and thank you to Manscaped for sponsoring this podcast. Now, into the preview for the Saturday Night Dynamite, we have, obviously, the TNT Championship matchup between Cody and Mr. Brody Lee. We also have the Elite taking on the Dark Order, being Kenny, uh, Kenny Hangman, and the Young Bucks. Actually, no, it's Kenny and the Young Bucks, so it's literally the straight-up Elite versus uh, the, the Dark Order. We then have FTR versus Private Party, which I think might be the match I'm looking forward to the most because I think these guys will put on one hell of a matchup. And then the Lucha Bros and, Bo- and Butcher and Blade will be teaming to face the Natural Nightmares and Jurassic Express. So, Floyd, going into this preview, any thoughts on these matches? There was that one, match, uh, one match missing, and oh, okay. this was on me. Uh, it wasn't on the official preview. The, also on that mat- night, you will get the finals... Of the women's deadly draw, yes, yes. So on YouTube, we will have this. There will be the semifinal matchups, and then the finals will be on Dynamite. Yep, and uh, the semifinal matchups. Do you remember who's facing who? The Natural Nightmares, I believe, are fighting uh, Diamante and Ivelisse. And uh, let me look it up real quick. Okay. I will look it up, but uh, I, while I'm doing that, tell me your thoughts on these other matches. Other matches of the show. Cody and uh, Brody Lee, I'm excited about. Uh, Brody Lee is a person that's only lost one match, and that's two marks. He is the leader of the Dark Order, which got introduced last year at All Out, which is crazy. Uh, and no one knew who they were. And then this year, uh, this year they are this kind of dominant group and so i think the next year of AEW is going to be built around them so i could see uh brody lee winning this match um but you know i don't know what they're gonna do especially so close to uh, especially so close to all out does do they go brody lee or what happens there uh next thing uh and how i think how's matt cardona gonna play into the uh uh result of the match i really do think he's gonna have a big part of it uh then we got ftr versus private party uh think about this match uh i think this is kind of the styles clash thing styles make fights so you got a really high flying up pace team and then you got ftr who is kind of the slow it down team i want to see if they're going to work that style uh, the Butcher and the Blade versus who? SCU? Uh, Butcher and Blade. It's going to be Butcher and Blade and uh, Lucha Brothers versus the Natural the natural Nightmares and Jurassic Express. Well, Butcher and Blade and the Lucha Brothers are undefeated as a foursome. So I'm thinking that's going to still be the same way. And so, yeah, I am really looking forward to the show. Uh, the Elite versus the Dark Order. Of course, you're not getting the premier members of the Dark Order. There is a pecking level. There are levels to this shit. So you are <laughs> so you are getting Reynolds, Silver, and Angels against the Elite. And I think Kenny Omega could beat those three by himself. 
Uh, so, uh, so it should be a hot spot match. I imagine that will be the first match. And I would yeah. love if the Bucks and Kenny come out first that they'd be looking around to make sure they don't get attacked. I, I would love to see that kind of progression in the story. Yep. And the matchups that are for the semifinals of the Dynamite Dynamite uh, Women's Tag Team Deadly Draw is Big 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 and Little Swole versus the Nightmare Sisters and Evil East and Diamante versus De- Tay Conti and Anna J. Yeah, I gotta go. You know, if I'm looking at that, we gotta go Big and Little Swole to me. I mean, that's what I was gonna I, say. Honestly, I don't think the team of uh, the Nightmare Sisters is gonna last for too long. Yeah, so I would go Big and Little Swole. And then on the other side, I like TJ as a tag team, but I mean, I would go Diamante and Ivelisse, uh, especially with it being on TV. Those are the probably the four most experienced performers too. So you want to have a strong match if you're going to give them a match on TV. So yeah. and uh, you know, Brandy's Brandy's great. Uh, Brandy's great. Allie's great. Allie was on TV for years, so I know Allie can work. So, uh, yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to both those matches on Monday, and then we get to see on show on Saturday. Now, there was something I did forget, and i probably have to go fix it later, but this is, this show is part one of two. We actually got an interview going on at the end. I'll explain more in a minute, but I wanted to say it at the beginning of the show and realized I didn't. All right. Well, if we if we if we need to, we'll have you record it on the back and then place it at the front. So it's all good. Cool. But yeah, overall, I will say also Darby Allen will be in action. Hell yes. Yes. And that's pretty much all we have for the preview and all we have for part one of this episode of All Things Elite. We want to thank you guys so much for tuning in and also make sure again to follow us on social media at AT Elite Pod at social suplex at SSumer4 and at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And Floyd can lead us into this lovely interview that we have uh, okay. that goes into this episode. All right. So this uh, was – it really wasn't supposed to be an interview. It was kind of us talking about wrestling. I wanted her to be on the show, but our times didn't match up. But I just think what she has to say about wrestling is, you know, really good, slightly different from what I have to say. And, I it, like, it's one of those people that you follow on Twitter and everything they say kind of gets you thinking about why you like what you like, why you don't like what you like. Her name is uh, Melody. Uh, and then it's going to be her, her Twitter is at Blitz Enterprise. I'll say that during the second half of it. And if you want to come back and listen to it, it'll be great. But uh, we had a good time talking. We got a lot of thoughts on uh, what she uh, thought about the current uh, version of AEW and where they, they stand at their current time. This was shot before Dynamite. So, so uh, we never, there was no predictions or anything like that. Just letting you know, it was shot before Dynamite. So, if we're not talking about stuff that happened on Dynamite, that was the reason. So, we do thank you for listening. I hope you stick through and listen, uh, listen with us because it was a, uh, it was a great time. But uh, you know what? If you're ending here, I will tell you, as whether it's home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite. Now we're on to part two. Hello, and you're listening to a very special edition of episode 73 of All Things Elite. I am Floyd Johnson, uh, and uh, with me today is someone that I have been following on Twitter for 
a month or two now, I guess. Uh, I, I I love her thoughts on AEW and all things elite. Uh, her name is Melody. And uh, how are you doing today, Melody? I'm doing just fine. For what? How about yourself? I am doing well. Now, if you want to follow Melody on Twitter after you hear her amazing thoughts, I, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm setting you setting you up there, but uh, you can follow <laughs> her at Blitz Enterprise. It's Blitz, like you're, you know, blitzing in the NFL, and then Enterprise all together. So, I, I, you know, I don't know how active. You've been on Twitter before the last month or so, or if you've been active forever. But yeah, I just like one tweet and I was like, I completely get what you're saying. And then there was another one. There was another. One. I was like, follow. <laughs> and there was another one. I was like, and then I messaged you a few, like a week ago and I was like, I need you. I need you. Do you do podcasts? I need you on the show <laughs> because. Uh, I, I, I just, I seriously love how your mind works. I love how you see things. I will be first, first and up front that we don't necessarily agree on everything, but I'm okay with right. that. I'm okay with people not agreeing on everything I thought, I thought. And as people will know on the show, I actually prefer people to disagree with me because I already know what I think. I want to know what other yeah. people think. So it, it, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad we could get our schedule together. Uh, full disclosure for everyone listening. We're actually recording this Wednesday afternoon before the August 12th episode of Dynamite. So everything that we say is before uh, before dynamite. This is gonna be. We know nothing. We know nothing that's gonna happen, and then that's like it, like it'll be six hours for, uh, six hours before dynamite right now. So we're literally just gonna be shooting crap on what we think is gonna happen and see if our predictions are correct. So yeah. this will be actually be a pretty fun episode. Yes, it's going to be fun. Then we really are. We're really gonna, uh, like I said, I want her thoughts on this show. So we're really gonna talk about just AEW in general, like the leadership, well, the different yeah. divisions. Uh, you know, uh, what you think about who do you think maybe is the future of it? And I just think this is gonna be really fun. And that's yeah, what I'm maybe maybe uh, at the end of all this, we have time. We'll talk about tonight's card and see what we're going to think about tonight because this is a very special episode of AEW Dynamite that we're going to be watching in just a few hours, where it's Tag Team Appreciation Night, which I'm definitely excited for, especially since we have a tag title match um, on Tag Team Appreciation Night. So this is going to be a pretty fun episode. Well, let's talk about your favorite AEW wrestler. That actually leads into uh, this. You are a Kenny yeah, Omega guy, right? I've been a huge follower and supporter of Kenny Omega since 2012. I started watching a little bit in 2011, but 2012, when I started watching DDT, he just captured me as a wrestler, but he really grabbed me as a performer and a storyteller in 2013 when he went to New Japan to uh, become the new member um, of the same group that he led all through, I think, 2017. It's Bullet Club, which a lot of New Japan people, whether you've watched New Japan from 2013 to now, Bullet Club is, of course, one of the most profound stables that wrestling has to offer that so many of your favorite superstars like Finn Balor, who was Prince Devitt, uh, Adam Cole, Bebe, 
of course, being a longest reign champion in NXT. You have Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. There are so many wrestlers that came from that stable that spans out to today. But Kenny Omega definitely attracted me as a professional wrestling fan the most is because in 2011, when Edge retired and the Somewhat Punk was officially over in WWE, wrestling just started to become stale for me. And WWE was the only brand I had watched at the time um, because I grew up with it. Like everybody, when we talk professional wrestling, we talk about WWE. It's the only brand a lot of people knew and grew up on until today where it's expanded to hundreds of different brands of professional wrestling. These brands we know and don't know of, they're out there now. And... Well, in 2012, I started watching DDT and New Japan at the same time. Like, I started briefly doing it because I was thinking, well, I love professional wrestling. If there aren't any professional wrestling franchises in Japan, I knew nothing about any sort of uh, wrestling franchises at all. So, me studying Japanese, and I'm still very novice at it after almost 10 years, goodness me. Um, studying Japanese, just the language itself, because I just wanted to learn another language, and I started studying that in, like, third grade, so that was the first uh, foreign language I tried to learn, and I thought it was fun, so I kept going at it. But when I started watching DDT in New Japan, like, of course, you have these Japanese talent and everything else, but, of course, there was this one foreign talent that captured my and that was Kenny Omega. And he, of course, him being the crazy wrestler that he is today, um, it's just, he just tells stories like no other. And from the Golden Lovers era to Bullet Club to now, there is no wrestler that I think I'd rather follow when it comes to the beauty of what professional wrestling has to offer from physique to storytelling to move sets to character slash gimmick, whatever you want to call it. And knowing the person's professional and personal life, like from gaming and tells you his personal life out the window just because Kenny Omega is just one of those wrestlers that brought one me back into professional wrestling. And I think if it wasn't for Kenny, I probably wouldn't be on this podcast. I probably wouldn't be loving professional wrestling anymore. I probably would have found something else to do or talk about in my life. But Kenny Omega saved my passion for professional wrestling. As long and strong as that is, I could go on for days about how I appreciate Kenny Omega as a person rather than just a wrestler. Well, he that's... Just wanted to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's awesome. Uh, I mean, and that's a lot of people's story. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, yours is very, yours is your story, and it's very specific. But for me, uh, you know, people that have listened to the show, it kind of lines up the same way. WWE was like Coke to me, like a lot of like right? by the drink. You know, it's like everything's a Coke. So every wrestling is WWE. It was WWE, and anything else was little WWE. It wasn't. It, it, that was it. And I told people, like I tell people all the time, as long as I've been watching wrestling, uh, which is like birth, uh, I still didn't watch a lot of indie wrestling. I had been to a few uh, old local o Oklahoma indie shows, but. Mm -hmm. The late 2000s with ROH, I saw a match here and there, but I wasn't really into ROH. WWE was my lifeblood with Raw 
and with Raw, and then they had SmackDown, the pay-per-views monthly, and, you know, trying to keep up with their little ancillary products, whether it was Heat or Superstars or whatever. WWE, for a long time, quenched, quenched my thirst of professional wrestling. I didn't need to find any more. And then they went through this period. Yours was 2013. For me, it was more that 2000. Uh, 2016, 17 area where I was just right. getting really down on the product. Like it was work. Yeah, it was work. 2016, 17 bad. Yeah. Yeah, it was like work. You know, watching it every week and 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 I was doing a podcast that started podcast and it was work talking about it. So I was like, you know what? There's other wrestling. You know. Exactly. For for me, Cody had left around, you know, Cody had left in 2017, and I was a fan of Stardust. I know, don't judge me. I'm not a judger at all. I love the Stardust character because it reminds me, of course, being like the younger brother of Goldust, and of course, the fire being Dusty Rose, which was gold and black all over the place, yellow and black all over the place. And it just. It was cute. I love that gimmick. I'm, it was a yeah. fun gimmick. It was like that, and it was the fact that when you you can tell when wrestlers, I think you can tell when wrestlers are phoning it in, and you can tell when wrestlers are passionate about it. And the thing about it is, even now I'm more impressed because I found out he wasn't the biggest fan of that character, and but every right. week he was he would go all out for it. You know, he uh, added different moves. He had the voice. He was trying to get the catchphrase over. They put him in different groups to try to you know, you know, and it was clearly supposed to be a comedy act, which is you know whatever. But the reason and the reason I bring that up is Cody, uh, Cody. I heard, hey, he had joined the new Bullet Club, and he was going to be on the. Oh, he was going to be on Wrestle Kingdom, mm-hmm. and then they were like, and it was the big news as I had started getting into more, being more involved in the internet wrestling community. Is this guy I'd never heard of called Kenny Omega, and he was wrestling mm-hmm. this other guy I'd never heard of called the Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada. So yes. I I came to New Japan because of Cody. Right. If it wasn't Cody, I would still not know who Okada or Omega is to this day. So I always tell people, I always tell people like I have my emotional attachment, of course, is with Cody. But seeing Kenny Omega, he he left me in awe the first time I ever watched him wrestle, and it was just like like literally in awe. It was like I've never seen. They went. I think it was almost an hour that night, and it was like, and I'd never seen someone wrestle a match that long at that pace it was just like you know an hour match is sitting in a chin lock for 25 minutes growing up that was me you know it was flaring dusty and it was like oh they went an hour i'm like dude i'm like seriously they were in a headlock for 30 45 minutes of that hour no disrespect i enjoyed the cr- I, I enjoyed the crap out of that match but there's a difference between a rick flair hour match and a kenny omega hour match kenny omega hour match reminds me of soccer you know it's just oh yes it's like back and forth you all know who scores who doesn't who gets the goal who does not who makes the save who's not it was just Mind blowing. That match is still to this day one of the best wrestling matches that I've ever watched in my history of professional wrestling. I always, I always say I love Flair and Steamboat. I love Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, 
I I shit. I loved Kurt. I love Kurt Angle and his many different feuds, but yeah. no one touches Okada and Omega. It's absolutely uh, not. It's Okada and Omega and everybody else. So leads me further. And how do you feel personally, as someone that is Omega fan longer than I've even known who he is, and we are now r- r- roughly a year from all out, you know, a year mm-hmm. and a few months from uh, double or nothing. What do you think of his booking in AEW so far? So, I believe Kenny's booking in AEW is, again, another one of those slow build stories that I believe that Kenny himself had put his mind into creating this story that we're still seeing today with him and Heyman. He wanted, of course, to be. He wanted to be the top wrestler. He still wants to find out. You know, I was big in Japan. I can be big here too. And his booking was almost immediate, which a lot of people at first, like a year ago, thought, "Oh, okay, Omega's the EVP. They may see they're gonna book him to win the championship overall." Not exactly the case. So with him going against Moxley for the very first time, um. It, it was supposed to be like at all out before his uh, Mosley's MSRA injury, uh, MRSA, sorry, injury. So, of course, that booking and that story would kind of put to a halt when Pac was, of course, in uh, Mosley's place on that all out. Full gear happened where the feud between Mosley and Omega was just almost at its peak. They booked the met for full gear for this unstaging match, and that was pretty much it. He lost, and now they're saying, oh, Kitty Omega's not booking well in AEW. What's happening is that he's pretty much want to pull over talent first. He knows he doesn't have much left in the wrestling, uh, in wrestling as a whole, so he wants to make sure he puts himself to where he can still be the top guy, but also help other people be top guys as well. Fast forward to today, where he's actually the longest reigning tag team champ with Heyman and Page, and they're creating a story between this dissimilar between the two. It's just going to book Kenny to become a more powerful uh, singles competitor. Overall, he's going to be in the title picture once again. Could not, it might not happen after this all after all happens. It could happen another year from now before Kenny actually book, gets booked to become a champion. It's one of those slow building stories that happened in New Japan with him doing the Golden Lovers thing from like, what, 2014 all the way up in 2017, 2018. And it's almost similar to the booking of Naito. For four to five years, he became the top guy and was double champ. It Kenny's probably going to do the exact same thing. It's going to be a slow build from bottom to top all over again. See, with uh, Kenny, and tell me how your thoughts on this. I've seen him as out of the all of the elite. He has mm-hmm. the le- he had the least to prove coming to AEW. Like, uh-huh. I think I think Cody had the chip. Still, still has a chip on his shoulder. He wants to prove that he's a top American draw. He wants to prove right. that the WWE was wrong. Hangman, right. Hangman is actually still at the beginning of his career, so of course he's got a bit to prove with him being a draw. But as yeah. far as Kenny and the Bucks, Kenny's been 
you know, Melter's wrestler of the year. He's won so many awards, six-star matches and stuff. He became the New Japan world champion, I think, which is, was his goal in professional wrestling. You know, and the, yeah. and the Young Bucks, they're already considered, in a lot of terms, the best tag team in the world. So I don't think those three came in with that chip that need to be featured like a lot of people thought that they did. I think that was a false assumption that people outside saw. And it's like, and if you look in the division, they've, they've done everything to get Hangman over. Tagging with Kenny has really helped. It really helped with that. And then, of course, Cody's being up front with the TNT belts. But the Bucks and Hangman, who, like, they just wanted to create something new, present wrestling differently. They don't necessarily care if they're the mm-hmm. AEW tag team and world champions. Like, they do it if that helped the company, but that need to be pushed up front doesn't right. seem to come from them. You know what I mean? Right. I completely understand that, and I believe you're absolutely correct about that. The thing is, when it comes to Kenny, he was an, uh, one of the hottest, if not the hottest free agent of 2019 when he left New Japan. His contract was up. He dropped the title. Um, he, he dropped the uh, IWGP uh, title um, before he left. And the bus left with him. And like, cause their contract was also up. They wanted to like, pursue other things themselves. They were already stars. They were already household names. Kenny Omega being a household name in New Japan, while the Young Bucks, which they were called Generation Me back in TNA, they were already they were already named like the high, the best tag team in the world even before they went to New Japan. So Kenny and the Bucks had nothing to prove. You are right. They were already household names. They were already stars. So once you see them and you know their names, it's great. Every, like Kenny Omega almost went to WWE before the training uh, incident happened. He just didn't like it. He left. So he decided to just pursue AEW, be with his friends, be with the company. Cody, of course, yes, he does have a big chip on the show with the WWE. He has a huge chip on him that, of course, sometimes, and I've seen it all happen, and they're kind of right. The Kessler and WWE is starting to get a little old because Cody has this big chip on the show to show, you know, he's a star. He's the son of the late great Dusty Rhodes, and he wanted to prove himself with the TNT title, um, Punch being around his waist. He's a champion. He's still got it, whatever have you. Good for him. Hey, man, yes. Start of his career from New Japan to now. He's still a young guy. He still has a lot to prove. He'll be champion in no time. So... AEW being created for this sort of bond themselves on what their true objective is as professional wrestlers, not as a group, but separately. It's just something that we are still witnessing and we're only a year into the company, which is nuts. Yeah, so, okay. You you set me up perfectly for transitions. We've talked about, we're talking about Kenny Omega. So let's talk about the men's division in Whole. Right now, it's led by uh-huh. Mox. He's the guy. He's the he's the company. And then you got Cody in the uh, TNT Championship tonight. He has a match with Scorpio Sky, which is honestly 
like other probably other than Eddie Kingston, like my most anticipated of the Cody matches. Uh, yeah, because I am like literally this is the first one where I'm thinking he could, you know, lose and it would make sense. So, right. <laughs> so us going forward. What do you think about the men's division? What do you think about Mox as the type guy? What do you think about introducing the TNT title in like within the first year and going with the secondary title? Honestly, just kind of go off the men's division. What do you think about it right now? I will have to say this. The men's division, of course, is dominant across the entire company right now. Going from Moss being the top draw, it was meant to be. To be brutally honest with you, ever since he appeared at Double or Nothing to uh, face Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, like came in through the crowd with a thunderous pop from the crowd, it made sense that John Mosley was going to be the top guy sooner than we thought. Like we thought he was going to be the top guy right off the jump. Uh, if it wasn't for that, you know that one, the number one contender match between Kenny and uh, Jericho for the, to get the title was Jericho presumably won in the first place. When Mosley came through and he wanted to be that top draw, he is that guy to hold that belt. And my God, he has held the belt. He has held the belt so well. His mannerism and happiness towards AEW, I could feel that the moment he stepped into the AEW ring for the first time. So, Moss is that draw. Moss is that guy. I hope he hosts the title at least until All Out. Maybe he'll drop it against MJF. Who knows? But regardless of what happens at All Out, he's that top guy. Cody, I love Cody to death. He is one of the most decorated person. He's one of the most decorated people in professional wrestling, for sure. He'll be a Hall of Famer long after he's done. To, to be brutally honest. But... Him holding the TNT title was almost predictable to me. To be honest with you, Cody holding the title was a little predictable. Primarily because of how Cody lives, eats, and breathes AEW. So for him to get that TV title belt for the first time, when you had seven or eight different people that were pretty more likely fan-wise to go towards the main card and hold that title for the first time. Like, everybody wanted either Archer or Darby in the finals. Like, let's be really clear. Everybody wanted Archer and Darby in the finals. How Cody got in there and just broke everyone's balance within the first, like, first match, it was like, oh, God, is AEW really going to put Cody on that top spot already? He didn't, like, Cody really doesn't have to be in the top spot. He really doesn't. He could be this great talent and hold the company down as an executive vice president, but to him to hold a title right now is a little too soon, especially when he already competed for the AEW title before. But that's just me. When it comes to this, the Scorpio Sky match that's tonight, I believe it's time for Cody to drop the belt, especially since they're going to be revealing a new uh, title design uh, later tonight, which I'm excited for. So... He's definitely has time to shine to show that, you know, he's that top guy, but it's time for Cody to drop the belt. But every single guy in the division are stars. Some should have got pushed a little bit further than others, but that's just me. But the, the men's division in AEW is okay. Let's be honest. They're okay for now because of how they're booked. 
I just wish that there's there are different things um, that were included in the best edition, but that's just me. So excluding Hangman, who is mm. you know everybody knows he was the first kind of the single signee of AEW, so everybody mm-hmm. sees him as future. Who are you like most excited about? going forward because you know the elite a lot all of them have basically said they're going to be done wrestling within five years so you leave this uh you except no of course hangman but you leave this big um youth there there's jungle boy mjf of course um I mean, like I said, Hangman, you got to say his name, Darby Allen. You you even got Brian Cage, who will probably be yes. a bigger part going up. And he's not young, but to the American audience, he was, you know, the hardcore fans know who he is, Impact Wrestling and mm-hmm. Lucha Underground. They know who he mm-hmm. is, but, you know, on a much more casual basis, Brian Cage is probably being introduced to a lot of people. So who do you think is that guy that person to lead the men's division in the future and you know it doesn't have to be any of the names that i said but i just kind of want your thoughts well there are so many names that deserve their time to shine like scorpio sky for example he deserves a really big push whether he runs the team t-tile or not he's up there uh darby allen definitely like the Stuff that he does in the ring is so insane that his athleticism and willing to take those bumps, willing to rise to the top by any means necessary, even if he pretty much kills himself doing so. He deserves, he really deserves the top spot as well. Jungle Boy, definitely. He he wants to be, I know Jungle Boy wants to be known as ju- not just the, fa- the son of the late Luke Perry, the son of a movie star. Jungle Boy wants to be not Jack Perry, but the professional wrestler Jungle Boy. I believe he definitely has his time to shine. And that's just three. But you're right, Brian Cage is new to people. He's not exactly the young guy in professional wrestling. I don't see himself as the top guy of the brand per se because I feel like with Taz being his mentor, having the FTW championship all the way around his waist already, um, whether that's going to become a defendable tie or not, Brian Case, I believe, will try to push or try to get over younger talent, similar to what Kenny is doing right now. I don't see Brian as the top guy in the brand, but I definitely see him as a decent performer in professional wrestling as a whole. But Jungle Boy, Scorpio Sky, Darby Allen are my top three for sure. That deserves to lead the feature of AEW. Yeah, like tonight, uh, you know, I'm a Cody guy, and uh, Cody want Cody to win. But most important with wrestling, I've always said I love the story that makes sense. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, I like, I personally don't think, I don't necessarily think it's time for Cody to lose. But I think it's time for Cody to lose to Scorpio. You know what I mean? It's just like yes. it, he's just the right guy, and it's like right. it's like you know Cody being on holding this division down. I think he's done great of making the TNT a title a title that matters, and mm-hmm. and it, and he's done his job. I mean, especially with the finish on the belt tonight, and you know they get the finish on the belt, and it's gonna look shiny. It, it's it's kind of time to pass that torch, and I know it's only been a couple mm-hmm. months, but because 
uh, you know, a few months. I think he won it in May, of course. Uh, but with all the challenges he made, all the matches he's had with it, it feels like a like an eight month reign. Uh huh. It, 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 it does. It feels like it's been a longer reign than it has been. I can't believe it's only been two months that Cody's had the belt, but he's been defending it almost every single week, uh, besides last week when he tied with Cardona. Yes. And it, he's had he's had his time. Like I love Cody to death. Like he is AEW. He is the face of the brand. But it's time for Scorpio to have his time to shine. He already fought. Uh, fall for the AEW title at one point. It's time for Scorpio to become champion. I mean, I and in the next of this case, I completely agree. I know I will, you know, uh, my girl Tiffany, I'll catch some stink, you know, before, because we both... <laughs> She's we, probably giving us a stink out since she listens to this. That's why we both want Cody to lose. <laughs> Tiffany, I love you. Yes, but I just, like I said, it just seems like the perfect time. But AEW has done this great thing. They 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 zig when you think they zag, you know. It's like you really did. I really did think Kenny Omega would be uh, AEW champion within that first year. I I really did think, you know, you know, if it wasn't Omega, it was gonna be Hangman. I really thought the Bucks would be tag team champions by now. I mean, I could tell you a whole bunch of stuff. I assumed the day that they started the brand that has been different, but I've loved it like every. Step, and it's been great. Now, now we we love it. We love the men's division. So now we're gonna we're we're gonna uh you know not everything is not everything is sunshine and rainbows. Uh, and with Twitter, uh, a lot of a lot of eyes have been on that old women's division. Uh, it is, uh, this, I, you I know, I, 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 I was going to say, I want to start with something sweet before we maybe hit the bitter. So, um, yeah, it's led by Car Sheeter right now, the third champion. Uh, you know, uh, just for people that are catching up, she is the third women's champion in the company. Uh, we got her, uh, we got Swole, we got Nyla. Uh, we have some people on the injury side. We got Chris Statlander injured right now, and she's probably not coming back to 2021 at least. And then Britt uh, Baker is recovering from an injury. So, mm-hmm. so um, I, I I didn't do this for the men's division, but I am a new for women's division. In your opinion, straight what you think. What letter grade from A to F would you give the booking in the overall women's division as of right now? To be really honest with you, on the AEW side of the women's division, I have to give it an F. Straight down. All right. The women, the Break women, it down. <laughs> so, let's... let's Take it from the very beginning of the women's division of AEW. Rip Baker being the first women signee to the company alongside Kylie Ray, who was supposed to be in the women's division, but of course she left. The whole women's division changed when she left. Brutally honest, she if it wasn't for Kylie Ray leaving. I don't know if the women's division would be better or worse, to be honest with you. 
She looked like she was going to be the face of the brand, you know. She was going to be the face of AEW's women's division. Not Brandy, not Britt. It was going to be all Kylie Ray all the time. She was probably going to end up becoming the first women's champion, not Riho. Speaking of that match, when when the women were the stars of the show at first, when they did a tournament for the women to have the women's title, Having so many talent that was supposed to be, you know, coming to AEW from all out, from all, uh, all in 2018, going towards double or nothing 2019 until now with Dynamite. Riho deserved the belt. And now, of course, being the top star that she is already. Be, being one of champion as uh before uh, Hikaru Hikaru won it, there were so many changes and obligations to the women's division, with so many uh women that are also work for other companies, Riho, Yuka, Emi Sakura, except for Hikaru Shida, that was the only that was the only Japanese uh Joshi wrestler that was available. They're all in stardom. They, of course, with the pandemic, they had other obligations. It's why Rita wasn't on TV for her title reign, and she barely def- defended it, except for maybe one time or twice against Nyla. Then, of course, was Chris Statlander, supposed to be booked to be the big star. She got injured, and she was injured prior to her match to win the uh, women's belt against the to try to. Uh, be able to go against Rio for women's belt against Nyla and of course lost. Chris has had obligations with beyond wrestling and injury. That's why she's not the top person right now. That's why she's not on TV right now. There are a lot of women in the women's division that deserve their shine. But when we were introduced to AEW Hills as well as the Deadly Draw Women's Tag Team Tournament, I believe that tournament as a whole definitely showcases how AEW could book the women's division properly aside from the men's. However, with Dynamite, Dark, and the women's tag, among other things, if all of that was booked in one show because people are complaining that the women's tag tournament was on YouTube, if the women's tournament was fitted onto YouTube, Dynamite would be a three to four hour show just like Raw or SmackDown. The network can only do so much. The network can only cover two hours mass and that's it. So that's what YouTube came about is because AEW will be able to use Daily's Place. Uh, Tony Khan, of course, would be able to have to use the brand to uh, use Daily's Place to be able to tape those two shows, Dynamite and Dark. So that way, everybody will have their chance to shine and it'll still be showcased on a platform that a lot of people use nowadays, which is online. We're getting women's wrestling from AEW. It doesn't have to be on TV for us to witness what's going on here. We watch WWE Evolution online. Most of us have, except for the people that are actually there. There is about 1.5 million viewers, if not more, for the WWE Evolution. All online views. We're doing the same for AEW. With the YouTube for free, and people are complaining. I cannot really stress enough 
that the women of the women's division, Brandy's not the booker. Kenny is not the booker. Cody is not the booker. It all depends on who works behind the scenes on who books the women's division. It all depends on what they can fit and not fit into Dynamite or TV as a whole, trying to tell like 15, 16 different storylines from different teams and different performers and different talents on that show with Dark and Dynamite and watching BTE in between, all of it would make sense if people just watched the, the show in the first place. Like, if you want to see how women's wrestling can change as a whole as a brand, watch the tag tournament, buy the merch, and show AEW that you want more women's wrestling. If you actually watch the tag tournament and their views go up, that will give them a sense of clarity, like, oh, that means we can definitely bring something like this to Dynamite, put some other storylines to the side so the women can have their chance to shine and actually be able to have the, tag, the women's belt defended properly once quarantine is over and the injuries have healed so the women's division can be bigger and better than ever come next year. It all depends on the, the pretty much how the public is perceived the women's division as a whole on supporting them by watching the tag tournament buy merch, and just supporting women's wrestling as a whole. It's not so much AEW is not listening to you. It's how they per- want to perceive the women's division based on your product, your, your buying, your witnessing what the women's division is doing. I believe the women's division could be a lot better. There's so many flaws right now, but with COVID, there's no way to really, there's no way to really change those flaws right now. There's so many women that are still not really signed. They're only free agents. They want to do what they want for a while. They want to see what brand fits them. They probably won't be able to never get signed to AEW. And AEW can only sign so many people right now because of COVID and travel restrictions and no ticket sales since the pandemic started. It's all about the people watching at home want to support their talent by giving AEW the profit that they need, the ratings they need, to be able to build something bigger and better. That's not just for the women's brand. That's for the men's division, too. So what do you think about the correlation that people were making between the women's division and AEW Hills? Because, as I understand it, AEW Hills is more of a fan club for women, uh, exclusively for women for AEW, and then that really doesn't, correlate with the division i'm not i mean but people already know my thoughts so what do you think about those two things being like like a direct correlation between those two well first i did think that heels was actually a pretty good idea from the start and here's why when you watch when you watch a sport when you see women watching football women watching hockey, women watching soccer. You always have that person that's to you, the opposite gender, a male, try to explain to you how this works and whatever have you. They kind of talk down to you like a child. Coming from a woman's perspective, that they talk to you like a child. When it comes to professional wrestling, people like most men won't think the women knows better. The women are only following professional wrestling because they're hot or whatever have you. They... The women's inclusiveness to AEW Hills is important, not just for AEW women's fans, but for fans of professional wrestling as a whole. 
for women. So to correlate those two together with me actually going to the very first, um, the, the Schools of A.W. Hills um, seminar that we did, of course, the downside is paying 50 bucks or whatever have you for just being a woman, being exclusive professional wrestling. It's a lot more than that. So I'm not going to jump too much into what the call was about because, you know, I want to keep it inclusive for the women who actually experienced it or to actually, you know, have the, and then of course, related to the public, what A.W. Hills is actually doing is it's not just a fan club for women. It's not just a fan club for AEW, hanging out and interacting with the talent. It's nothing like that at all. It's about not only strategizing how a woman is supposed to, you know, correlate themselves in a workplace from brand's perspective, being the CBO of a brand as a woman is tiring. And to pretty much bring knowledge to from social media strategizing to how, how behaviors are in the workplace how it correlates to our daily life to be able to have women, you know, become more forward, not just to be in the professional wrestling industry, but also just as a whole in daily life to become, you know, women of our own power to work at certain companies or to work at certain brands, whether it's wrestling, whether it's a, for like um, informational systems or any other career you want to get into. It's about a safe space for women to talk about their troubles when men have actually, let's be honest, let's be honest, men have tried to overrule women when it comes to sports, especially professional wrestling. I've seen it on Twitter too many times. And to be honest, it's pretty sickening. Like women being called names or being deemed stupid or we don't know what we're talking about. It's very hurtful. It's just, it's just a place for women to come together to talk professional wrestling and to also be confident that as a woman, you're just as strong as any man can ever be. And that's pretty much what AW Heels is, is for women to actually be confident in themselves, to become business experts, to become just to exist as a woman, as a person of the opposite gender, because we, we, we see on Twitter about equality between the or between men and women, you see equal. You see the equality issues between same sex or different sex relationships. If you're LGBTQ, there's so many social things that's happening in social media that we're all getting broken apart into different groups. Who likes what brand and who likes what brand? And it's not so much as AW Hills becoming a fan club. It's just a space for women to talk about professional wrestling and not get downed on. And to also become stronger people in the end and to do better on how to interact with some people that may not have the same uh, opinion as you do. But that's, and it's so much more, it's worth the 50 bucks to pay for that one year subscription and get a lifelong lesson in two hours. That's how crazy AEW Hills was on his first running. Well, I am glad that you got to, uh, I'm glad that you got to experience Hills. I'm glad that Hills exist. I am glad that people that are listening to this show that might not understand Hills under, you know, that you gave a little bit more clarity on what the, uh, what the, uh, product is, what the program is as they're moving forward. I think that is amazing. I just, that's what I really, I, I'm glad we got that information out there too, because it was just like, 
like I said, I did not know this was needed. Let me be 100%. As a cis, 39-year-old cis male, the idea, you know, the idea that it was needed, the idea that it was needed, this women's space to discuss professional wrestling, was lost on me. I mean, because, you know, I talk about wrestling all the time. I'm in like 100 Facebook groups. But then it made me think about how male-dominated those groups are. And, you know, mm-hmm. and how many vocal and leaders of the women's, you know, as a woman do we have in those groups? And it's not, definitely not what I, uh, you know, definitely not what I would want. And what I found out, you know, as, you know, through education, through talking to the women in my life, is that you are dismissed quite a bit. And it's like, I, this is not me giving validation to any argument. This is me as a man figuring this out and finding this out that there's this you know whole idea that you can make the same you like we can make the same points two minutes uh, apart from each other and yours at times will be ignored where you mm-hmm. know mine might explode and get like a lot of likes and stuff and people are like man that's a great point and it's like well you know she made the point first but, you know, you don't think that because, you know, you don't look for something that isn't really a problem for you. And now, like I said, once it came out, I got to talk to I got to talk to Tiffany and I got to talk to Amy or Phoenix AEW. Uh, I got to talk to all of them. And it's like, oh, OK. And how happy they were. And just, you know, some people come into tears because they're very excited to have the space. And I'm like. Okay, this was needed, and that's that's great. So I'm glad to hear what you had to say about it. Um, as far as the deadly draw, we are down to the last four teams. Of course, we got the Nightmare Sisters. We got the Swoles, big and little Swole. Little Swole is Nicole Savoy for people not aware. Uh, but then we got Diamante and Eva Lise, and then we got TJ, uh, Tyanara County. And uh, Ty and Arconti and Anna J. So, which one of these tag teams are you most excited about? Ooh, see, going down the line, I love the Nightmare Sisters. I believe somehow they become such a great tag team. But I also think they're going to fall apart in the very end. I don't know if they're going to end up going to the finals or not. They're going to fall apart at some point. So I don't think the Nightmare Sisters, as much as I love Brandy and Allie to death, they're definitely not going to last well while in this tournament. So they're definitely not going to be there. Uh, for Baseball and Lillisville, of course, they're, they're a team beforehand. It's not, nothing new to if you watch the independent wrestling scene. Baseball and Lillisville, Nicole Savoy, they've teamed before. They were a tag team for years. Not a lot of people know that. And the chemistry that both of them have after not teaming together for a very long time is there. And I'm so happy that they're pushing themselves to be in the finals. But do I think they're going to win this tournament? I don't think so. I think they'll come far, but I don't think they'll last. Same for Nemesis is they won't last. Who do you Diamante got? Even, I, okay. forget, for Diamante, I think I got... Between either between TJ or Evelise and Diamante, I got TJ. I think it's gonna be an upset for TJ to win the whole thing. 
that is pretty wild. Uh, you know, Anna Jays hasn't been wrestling that long. Tyanara Conti, a lot of people like me, uh, when she came out the key in WWE and she was flipping people around, I was like, man, they got something here. And then they never went anywhere with it. They just, you know, it was just like they did. Uh, they even did the whole uh, "Don't call me crazy" gimmick with her. I remember that, and you uh, like, yes. I've, I, I have followed her. You know, you know, her career has pretty much been all WWE NXT. So I followed her, and I just like, man, I saw, I always saw something. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like, oh, she left the WWE now she's done the great. I saw it in the WWE, and I was really shocked mm-hmm. they couldn't make it work. So. I was very happy. It was like she was one of the names when they were talking about people that released. I was like, man, okay, she could help the women's division, you know, because you know, yes. I think I think their plan with the women's division was to have their steady people and then just to bring people in from the UK and Japan, you know, from Stardom or wherever every now and then to help fill out the roster. Well, then COVID happened and. That plan doesn't work anymore. So now you're going to have right. to start looking at more of the American talent. And you see them bringing it in with Nicole Savoy and, you know, Taya and even Arian Andrews to a point. Just like, hey, we're going to see what works. We're going to throw it out there. And then it can be like Ricky Starks. It was like, you know, you didn't know if he was going to get signed. And then he comes in, he gets a tryout, and he kills it with Cody. And then, you know, they were like, before he even left, it was like, okay, you're signed. And it's just like, that's, you know, that's the scene. That's what's great with AEW is like, like you can see people get discovered in front of you. Like, a, you know, like some people, you know, Ty, Ty Nauer wasn't on TV a lot. You know, people that are yeah. watching NXT all the time know who she is. But to a casual fan, she's being pretty much introduced brand new and of course Anna J you can't really get any more new than Anna J and so yeah I I like that pick I think that would be interesting going forward uh with the whole cup and what they decide to do with the tag team division uh you made a strong point earlier that I actually made last week there's a very easy way to get more women's wrestling definitely watch it buy it support it I mean, that's Tony Khan is a numbers guy. He's an analytics guy. If if the women are selling more shirts than the men, if the women's uh, segments are spiking every week, you know what he's going to give you more of? He's going to give you more women's wrestling. It's just that's how that's how it works. And it's just like that's how it works. It was like oh. I think that there was a stat that came out that when the elite are on the show, when the elite are on the show, ratings are higher. Just just them being on the show. Any member, just them being on the show. Because I think we had a couple shows where they weren't on and the ratings weren't great. Then you mm-hmm. see the Cody Open Challenge come. And then you see how Young Bucks have been featured. You've seen how Kenny Omega, after that first Spike and shut down the COVID. How many times Kenny Omega and Adam Page have defended the tag team titles? I think this yeah. is about to be their fourth or fifth defense since they got back. And it's yeah. just, it's like, okay, you've shown us that you show up for these guys, so we're giving you more. So it's simple. If you want more women's wrestling, if you we want more women's wrestling, if that's the goal, equality, it's the goal, which I think it should always be the goal. 
But if that's the goal, support it. Show them that you want it, and then you'll get it. And it's just so it's so weird to me. It's like how, you know, a lot of people will check out as far as wrestling, and it's just like that's the exact opposite of what you need to be doing right now. You need to, especially mm-hmm. with that division, you need to be on YouTube watching their matches, getting uh, getting a deadly draw up there. So uh, that was just my thought on it. And last but not least... So who who's your who's your person who's the women woman in the women's division moving forward? Who do you think is the woman to build the division around? When she comes back, Chris Statlander. She was supposed to be pushed to the moon before her injury. When the nightmare collective stuff happened, things got a little bit awry. She didn't get injured and would be all wrestling and everything. Chris. Really should have been the next one to really push the women's division. I love Nyla. I love Hikarashita. But Chris Statlander, she's a star. Point blank. She's definitely going to push the women's division forward to the future. Yeah, it felt like it felt like when uh, she, when we first started seeing her in the boop and the alien, it felt like she had a lot of heat behind her. And it was like, like a lot of people wanted her to be that be the person I, I i even compared it to kind of braun Strowman, where it was just like like when braun Strowman first started doing anything everybody got it everybody got what he was supposed to be it was like okay and it, it was like hot and they were like push him and then they kind of you know lost it with him and i felt like AEW. Which I know on this show it is the proclivity for positivity, so we do focus on what they do right. But I think with Chris, it was like she was ready for that push, and I think they stopped short. And of course, the injuries, the beyond thing, there was a lot. It was she, it was snake bitten from the beginning, but it was just like okay, maybe they didn't go as far as they could with her. But I do like that as a pick. I think she's one of the more versatile athletes in the company, which is awesome. I want to know how her ACL injury affects her moving forward and her mobility. Cause like I said, freaking nature. She was, she's six foot and could, you know, do every strong woman. Yeah. She's strong and she can do things that, you know, you know, people much smaller than her do. And it it worked and her matches worked. And so I, I definitely want to see that going forward. I love that pick. uh, Chris Statlander, uh, moving forward. The last division we're going to talk about, and of course, it's the one closest to my heart. That's why I had to save it to last. It is the tag team division. Now, and I and I, I fully expect for you to go against me on this. My biggest complaint about the tag team division is you went out and assembled this division. You you signed, you introduced best friends at the beginning, the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. Lucha Bros. That's 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 the night of the introduction, you know. Then you like you got L.A. You got uh, I always call them L.A.X. But proud and powerful, uh, Santana Ortiz. You got the Butcher and the Blade. You got T.H. Two. You got mm-hmm. the Nightmare, Natural Nightmares. You have all these established, real tag teams in the division. And my biggest concern is that the Flybite Phenomenon tag team, which is Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, have your tag titles. Uh-huh. So, 
Me personally, I don't like it. I, I want it to be on one of the nine million established tag teams they have. What do you think about it? Oh, where do I start with this? The tattoo division is huge. I think it is bigger than the men's division, the women's division combined. There are so many tag teams in AEW. Like, some still just newly formed by the day, by the week, by the month. There's way too many tag teams in AEW. Let's just be point blank right here. With Kenny and Heyman being the quote-unquote thrown-together tag team, even though they were together before in the Bullet Club, I truly believe they were both to be tag team champions a little too soon. Um, with them, with those two being established names in uh, AEW being the tag titles, which they're undefeated, 11-0 in the tag ranks right now, and they're going to get Jurassic Express, there's so many other tag teams that could have held those belts already. I believe TH2 is the most underrated tag team in AEW. Pandemic be damned. I hope they go to the top. That, I love TH2 to death. Prime Powerful, of course. LAX, very decorated tag team. Uh, FTR, again, very decorated tag team. I see them getting the belts before TH2. But the tag division is so it's too much. Like you have all these trios, all these duos that could easily strive well to become singles competitors in their own right. But I love Kenny and Hayman. man. Their story is building up to become a very intense story between them and the elite and FTR. There's going to be a huge fallout between those teams soon enough. Kenny and Hayman is no longer become a team after this. I'm just predicting this. They're not going to become a team for too much longer. There are so many teams that can be pushed to the top. They're so underrated, like TS2. I see TS2 becoming the next best tag team of the, of the tag team division. But, of course, they also need to lose some of the tag teams. Let some other people give their time to shine singles comparison. Because there are a lot of people like Scorpio Sky who left SCU for a bit. To, be cut, to get this push to be a singles competitor is something. So maybe AEW should do more of that. I don't know. All right. Yeah, I could. I've been seeing like uh, I love the Lucha Bros as a tag team, but I think they could add to the singles division being separated. Uh, you know, because you know Ray and Ray and Pentagon, I really saw as two separate entities for a long time before I even knew that they tagged up and won all the t uh, matches. So, uh, but yeah, tag team division is my favorite division. I, you love the fact that you like TH2 touches my heart. I go on all <laughs> the time and I try to tell Jack Evans how awesome he is. Need no one needs to tell Jack Evans how awesome he is, but I still do he it. Every day. He already knows that dude again. A term I use often, freaking nature. He, when you see people doing things that normal people shouldn't be able to do, and it's just like him walking on his hands, and it's not like he's like two years in the business. He's like twenty years in the business, and mm -hmm. and he just like gets it. I mean, and he's just got that athleticism about him. So that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, it was like it. It always, you know, it was one of those minor annoyances. I love Kenny. I love Kenny. I love. Uh, hangman i don't know what's going forward the best thing about it is with aw is that they do uh leave you wanting more and they don't give you everything right now and you like what's next so that's i think that's really good 
uh, with them. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so we've talked about all the divisions. we talked about all the shows. We've talked about everything. So, uh, just, I, just in general, uh, moving forward, looking forward uh, to All Out, and I guess it's going to be called, you know, Full Gear. Uh, what do you see moving forward? Do you, who do you see being Mox? Do you think MJF's going to be Mox? Or, uh, uh, I don't know. See, I'm torn. So, John Moss is still that draw. He's that guy that has the title. Moss has become a huge draw in the business. But with the Cody and MJF story pushing for, and MJF won the feud against Cody and then really didn't do nothing else to with MJF after a while, maybe with a twist of uncertain events, he might come out on top and be the next champion and just have his little reign of terror in AEW. I'm torn. I'd love to see what happens to either in each result. Like, as far as I know, I think that's the only uh, match that's been announced for All Out as of this moment. But, yeah, I have nothing. I I just want to see what, what's going to happen from here until All Out. I'm excited. Oh, yeah, I'm very excited about it, too. Well, I want to, I feel like for the first time that we've talked we got a lot of good information in there so we can just uh wrap this up and i want to thank you melody for coming on the show giving your thoughts i mean, seriously can listen to you talk about wrestling all day because it's just like i said it's it's just a little different enough for me to appreciate you know what i mean so it's like so i, I definitely uh making you making time in the middle of your afternoon to talk about wrestling with me is appreciated i want to do this again i would like oh, to make definitely. this i was gonna say i would like to make this at least semi-regular because i know i know i love everyone that call uh, that listens but it's like you know it's great to have a different thought, an alternative approach to uh, liking wrestling. And just, I hope everyone that gets to listen to the show knows I don't hate Kenny Omega. For some reason, it's weird. <laughs> it's, it, 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 and I, I brought this up. Someone asked, who's your least favorite member of the elite? And they asked that question. And I hate that question. Because it, I hate That's that question. Because it's like, if someone gives you four dope options and they say which one do you like the least okay okay that's the one i like the least i mean i still love it just like that one the least and it's just like but the way it's turned on twitter is that you hate that person because you said you like them the least yeah oh my gosh like twitter just makes things harder than it already is like for example if, if i were to pick the least for Biggest favorite person out of the elite that I don't like, even though he's technically not anymore, but Cody. Like, Cody doesn't need the elite. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and that's all I'm saying. It's not saying that you hate Cody. It's just saying, okay, I'm more attached to these characters than I am to that character. Exactly. That's just, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's just really funny how people can take you saying one thing. And say, oh, that means this. And I'm like, no, that doesn't mean anything. Kenny Omega is within 100 miles of me anywhere. If he's in a bingo hall within 100 miles of me, I'm driving 
and going to watch Kenny Omega <laughs> perform in that bingo hall because he's an amazing wrestler. It's just, as far as emotional, I will always say Cody's one because Cody led me to the elite. Uh, Young Bucks would be two because I actually met Young Bucks in a hall in Oklahoma City where they flew Ooh. in, they flew in, did like an hour signing, had dinner with Kevin Nash and flew directly out. And it was just like, I, I just saw the work ethic immediately and they were just like super nice and you know you didn't you didn't think I'm like and I didn't know like who they were who they were at the time so I'm getting they're taking pictures for like five bucks and you know doing this thing and I'm like and then I you know go home and I'm like whoa they could have charged way more that if they wanted to five bucks yeah five bucks for a picture with them they saw it gave me for 15 bucks i got a group picture with the young bucks young buck fans and then they gave me eight by tens and it was just like the fan service that they do as far as meeting and greeting their fans and talking to you and asking about who you are just amazing to me and then hangman and honestly if you would have asked me in like July, it would have definitely been Kenny over Hangman. But the whole drunken Hangman thing and Hangman having a <laughs> drinking problem, I I've come around. I think they're. I love. Uh, I, I love. I love drunk Hangman. I love drunken. Always always drunk before a match. Hangman. That's just like whiskey's his superpower. Hangman. Yeah. Yes. So. so it's just I feel like he's the best booking job they've done in the company. Definitely. I, yeah, I think I think I like within six months people are going to be howling and begging for him to be champion. And I think it all started with not putting the title on him immediately, you know, and saying, right. okay. yeah, so I think that was uh, I think that's great. And so I don't know. I love everybody in the elite. I hope no one ever takes me as anything. Please but don't that. take. Don't, <laughs> please and please, all the Cody fans out there, and especially you, Tiffany, don't attack me for not liking Cody as <laughs> as my least favorite person of the elite. I love Cody to death. Yes, he's pro, pro, he's pro wrestling personified. Yes, I just don't like his character. Yes, <laughs> fandom does not have to be a competition. <laughs> it's just so funny. It it's does just... not. Sports <laughs> should be that serious. Yes. Yes. Like sports, sports teams can be that serious. Yes. Don't take up how professional wrestling. Yes. It's like I like I said, I can, I can love Cody and hope like think he should lose tonight because mm-hmm. professional wrestling's different. It's a story. It's a soap opera playing out it's a it's athletic soap opera playing out it's it's all of this and it's like well i think that makes the best story so that's what i want to happen as opposed to okay he's my favorite so i want them to win every time so that's just how i've always seen it i was like i just want my guy on tv you know i want to see him perform and it's like if they lose now like it did it suck being there and watching Cody lose against Jericho and never being able to fight the world title again. Well, yeah, that, that kind of sucks, <laughs> but it, I, it, it, yes, it, it's just weird. But, but going forward, it was, it seemed like it, it's been the best story for him because mm-hmm. now you don't have everybody saying, you know, when's Cody, when are you going to put the title on Cody? You don't put the title on Cody. It was addressed. Now you can give the people that are in the world title picture, your full attention, Dope ass matches with like like last week with Darby and John Moxley, and then you got Cody holding down the TNT division, and it's just 
they're they seem to be where they're supposed to be right now. I hope more attention get does get paid to the women's division in the future, and you know we get more eyes on it and they sell more stuff. But it's just like I said, it, it's a lot of people just don't accept the fact that this company, as far as entering product, is a year and three months old. Mm-hmm. We got a long way to go, hopefully. So just chill out. I think you'll eventually get what we got you until want. at least 2024 because that's <laughs> how long their uh, deal with TNT is. We have another three more years to see if we got more change. Okay? Yes, yes. And and when done right, not everyone can be champion in wrestling. It's like I love yeah. New Japan and I know how many people <laughs> love Tomohiro Ishii. But you know what people have accepted? He's never going to be world champion. <laughs> it's just like we love him. It was like he puts on banger matches, but he's never going to be the face of their company. So it's just like not everybody has to be in, you know, every role. So I don't know. I it's just that's honestly just me uh kind of blabbering there for a second. But again, thank you for being on the show. Make sure you are following her at Blitz Enterprise. It's literally Spelled like it sounds. Do you have anything else you want to put over? I know you put out a mix about a few days ago on your page. Is that pinned to your profile? It is not. I'll have to pin it to my profile later. Um, but yeah, I started making music uh, because I was inspired by AEW's music director, the director Mikey Ruckus, who is. The music makes the brand, and I believe he is the right pick for AEW and how his music fits the brand so well. With that being said, I started making music. I'll have to pin it to my profile. I'll have to pin it as soon as we're done recording this. But um, I am on uh, uh, music. Well, I'm using Loudly to actually post on my stuff. So I'm on Loudly at Bliss Enterprise. Same thing. but yeah, maybe I can just start making music inspired by professional wrestling once I have a chance to. And that's just about it. That is awesome. I look forward to hearing it. And this is the end of the episode. I know you've heard some before. I thank you for sticking with me and listening to everything we had to say. I just thought this was great. and I, I love the energy. I love everything that you bring to it. So uh, I will leave you with what I always leave with you with i will say be kind to each other be nice to each other be respectful to each other wear a damn mask and whether it's <laughs> home work or school always do your best to be elite <laughs>